Welcome to another episode of Miyazaki and Me. I'm Kyle. And I am Shane. Uh, and in this episode, we're going over the 2013, one of the 2013 releases. Uh, this one is directed by Hayao Miyazaki, and it is The Wind Rises. Yes, The Wind Rises, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Italian Man of My Dreams. <laughs> he is the Italian Man of Your Dreams. Uh I was I was very happy when I came up with that like that early on in the one. movie. I was just like I was just like okay, I got it. I got my I got my Doctor Strange uh, uh, title now. This is a real a real interesting movie. Um, I I tended to like it a lot actually. Uh, and the the fun thing with this movie is it actually has a companion piece um, in uh, the documentary from uh, Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Uh, which is also streaming on HBO Max, uh, and I highly recommend it. I've actually watched it a couple times. Uh, I watched it again, obviously, for this podcast because there there are a lot of fun quotes and what the filmmakers really think of each other uh, that that gets to be you know doled out in throughout the course of this movie. Uh, but. Uh, this wasn't the only thing that came out in 2013. Uh, one of the the other animated films this year uh, were The Crudes. Okay. I never saw that one. I I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I, I thought I would. Uh, Despicable Me 2, which, as I've said in previous podcasts when Despicable Me was mentioned, I have never watched any of this entire series. Uh, I hear it's good. I just haven't. I've seen all three of the movie. Well, I guess there's a, the Minions movie too that I haven't seen, but I've seen all three of the Despicable Me movies, and I don't remember almost anything from the second one. <laughs> I remember okay. some from the third, and I remember some from the first one, and I remember most of the first one. The first one was great. Uh, I I can't think of almost anything that happened in the second one. So I I feel like it was just okay. Yeah. Um, a movie I haven't seen either, uh, was Monsters University. Oh, I saw this one. It, it was fine. It was a, it was a fun movie. It was, it was a neat little sequel way after the, the point that the sequel should have come out. And, and it was, it was fun. Okay. And, uh, and the other movie that came out, uh, and actually won the Academy Award over Wind Rises and, that was debatable, but I can I can see let where people go. you should let it go. I I should let it go at this point in time. Okay, um, it it was frozen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, did you I, just I can, I you just see knew the that for this? Did you just know that one off the top of your head that that was the same year, or did you uh, actually I, look at my notes? I, 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 I did. I knew that this lost to Frozen. Okay. Uh, at the Academy Awards was really the which is why I knew Frozen was the same year. Okay. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't look that one up. But yeah, no, I can. I can. After seeing this movie, I can see why the arguments. The argument for this movie over Frozen, for sure. Uh, but Frozen had that mainstream success that. Yeah. Uh, for for animated movies is absolutely necessary when it's not necessary at all for the for regular movies. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then on the television side, we had a few. A few things here and there. Uh, it was the debut of Teen Titans Go. Um, less said about that one, the better. Um, but that might be 
just me projecting because I love the original Teen Titans so much. Um, it's not just you projecting. I mean, it Go is Go is a, a good kid series, but it's just not as it's 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 not as good of a of a show in general. It's it's one of those where Cartoon Network went, oh, we just needed to make a show where there's no like through line or anything like that. We just need to make make fun fun joke joke. Yep. Uh, 2013 also, though, was the start of a very successful series. Uh, actually, two the, the next two are actually both very successful, even though they have very few episodes in case of one. Uh, this was the start of Rick and Morty. Uh, that's going to go on for 100 years. 100 years. 100 years. 100 years. 100 years. Uh, and on the polar opposite side of tone-wise, uh, this is also the start of the Japanese releases for Attack on Titan. Oh, another good show. I have not... So I am current on Rick and Morty, I believe. Uh, I am through a couple seasons of Attack on Titan because, oh boy, Attack on Titan is heavy. It is It is one of those shows that's just like, I gotta be in a mood... Um, and that mood's got to be, I'm okay with everything that I know and love to die. Because <laughs> that is essentially what that show is. Yeah, that is what I've heard, and that is why I have avoided it for as long as I have thus far. But it is very good. It is oh, very yeah, well yeah. made. Every, every single thing I've seen of it, um, clips and animation, it's like, wow, this looks amazing, and this looks epic. And it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to sit down and watch that. But... We have the movie we are actually here to talk about uh, was The Wind Rises, uh, directed by Hayao Miyazaki uh, and his uh, what he thought was going to be his final film. Um, what Toshio oh, was it not? <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been released yet, but he's working on another one. Yeah. Um, with Toshio Suzuki, definitely thought was going to be his his uh, Miyazaki's final film as well, because uh, he ended up taking about he said about six months at the very least to pretty much drag him out of retirement uh, to do the movie. Yeah, it it was quite an undertaking though. Uh, f- a, this was a tidbit from uh, Dreams of Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Uh, so Studio Ghibli, at the point in time when this was in production, had about 400 employees, um, if you include the museum. A uh, hundred of those 400 were working on The Wind Rises. Uh, and that is also while they were in co-production at the same time uh, with Princess Kaguya. So probably about another hundred were working on Kaguya. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Uh, so, so overall thoughts, kind of like, what did you think of uh, the film itself? I will start by saying that I cried, <laughs> uh, which I think if anybody that knows me, they're not probably not surprised by that. Nope, not surprised at all. It uh, it hit me, it hit me hard uh, at the end. Um, uh, I mean, and and it's it's one of those things where I thought it was just so wonderfully done because it's something that was not only telegraphed but like throw like said right away like like they're like this is gonna happen this is this is how this is gonna end. this movie's essentially gonna end this way for sure um yeah 
uh, and it still it still was was uh, beautiful. It still was uh, very well done. I think that this is a visually stunning movie, like absolutely stunning. I was I was just so surprised to see uh, uh, a Miyazaki do a movie about flight. Um, it's just not something that he's put into any of his movies before this. Yeah, um, yeah, we've uh, we've never seen him basically do the exact same launch from a, a top of a house in any other films. <laughs> it definitely, definitely wasn't in Nausicaa or or uh, Castle in the Sky. No, no, well, we, de- no. we definitely didn't have you know a very similar contraption. At least though, that was in the dream. So like, yeah. it wasn't realistic and wasn't meant to be realistic. But still, it was just funny. But that, that again, is how we're watching these. It's like a fun little nod of like, oh, I see where that it, that we got the influence for that from. Uh, I was surprised in this one that I didn't really notice any Easter eggs because uh, I'm always looking for those. Yeah. Uh, and it's possible I just missed them. Like there there, there very well might have been some. I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot of uh, animation elements where, like, oh, that that is super similar to what this movie did and this movie did. But like, I didn't yeah. notice like a lot of times there's symbols. Uh, um, although at one point I saw the Triforce, and I I don't know if that has other meaning in Japan other than the Triforce. But uh, at the wedding, the Triforce was on two different things, and I was just like, oh, um, Zelda, huh? Um, but um, I I mean, just just thoughts like overall this this movie was very very good um i thought the story was was wonderful and it was just it was just beautiful it was just stunning yeah i um i didn't get quite as invested in the story itself as you did um but but visually the the animation was just you know we've come so far like I, I make that joke that you know he he does a similar launch to you know what we saw um, for a glider in in Nausicaa, but like you can see like this the the animation and part of that is you know techniques that are you know available now in technology, but part of that is also storytelling um, and. Like we, everything moved so smoothly, like throughout this whole film, and I re- I really enjoyed enjoyed it. Like like I don't think it's gonna it's gonna be as like top tier, but like I really enjoyed it. Um, and you know even Miyazaki says like in in interviews like he is talking about this film and. And Jiro, the main character, who is like this, is a pretty much autobiographical tale of the uh, aero- aeronautical engineer uh, for the the Zero flight pl- f- uh, fighter plane uh, that the Japanese uh, army used in World War II, um, and he he said like this is very typical Miyazaki of like. I know I shouldn't glorify these, but they're really cool looking planes. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, I, I would say that this is the, the, that the based on a true story kind of, kind of, uh, 
uh, uh, biographical because the 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 professional lives of the characters in this were apparently true, but the personal lives were all were all Miyazaki's doing. Yep, I can I can see that. Um, um, that that uh, that he he didn't know about the the personal lives of them. He just knew about the professional lives, and he added in the uh the the love story and then everything else outside of it but everything that uh the things that were built in the movie were actually built by people of the same name the uh Jiro and um oh uh the other the friend i have it here one second i'm pulling it up uh Kiro uh, Hanjo uh um they they actually did Hanjo did build the the bomber and and Jiro did build the the uh, uh the zero plane uh, and also, uh, the, uh, that, that nine winged thing that you see in the dream, uh, that Italian designer, uh, did actually design that plane and it was a, uh, a passenger plane that held about a hundred people and it took off like on the water just like that. So like that thing like looks like kind of unrealistic now, but no, that was an actual functional plane uh, from from that era. That is really cool because I was I was wondering about that because I I knew that a lot of this stuff was was based off truth. So I, I was I was feeling like that that had to have been, but I wasn't one hundred percent certain. Yep, nope. That is one of those like Wikipedia deep dive like kind of things of like, oh hey, I'm gonna look this up and see, and it's like, oh, Italian plane in this era, like, because I'm just like, okay, how many of these multi-wing, you know, cr- like crafts actually were in production, or are they all like an animation thing? And then I look up, and it's like, oh no, this was an actual plane. Okay, I mean, it didn't like last very long but um you know it actually like it was there um real quick before we get into uh the the depth of this of this movie uh i'm gonna talk a little bit about the voice cast yes um there was one voice actor of this movie that the second they started talking i went oh i know exactly who that is and i also said (laughs) this is unsettling and i wish that he was not in this movie Okay, and that was Werner Herzog. Okay, um, that was so I I I wrote that note of like can Werner Herzog not play a weirdo for once? Um, and apparently not. Um, yeah, I was just like I was like this character is a million times weirder than I think that they planned him to be, um, because. Werner Herzog is just kind of a, a weird dude and he's got a creepy voice, uh, especially for a children or I guess this isn't necessarily a children's movie, but a but an animated film. Yeah. Um it just it seemed jarring to me and the second he started talking, I was like, Oh no, it's, he's going to have to take you out back and shoot you because it's Werner Herzog and he is he is the he is what he made the grizzly man and he is also he is he is a wonderful director but he's a terrible actor because everything he says just comes out at this cadence he has literally watched a man die for one of his films uh so that was that was just jarring and it was one of those weird things where I was I was like to the point in the movie where I was going to start looking things up and then i heard yeah. his voice and i went well don't have to look that up yep um 
some but, some of, some of the other ones like Martin Short uh like when you realize it's him like looking it up it's like oh okay of course that's Martin Short do- doing you know an impression like that makes sense but like in the film he kind of blends in yes um and so this like speaking of uh the voice cast uh so i'll i'll talk very uh no actually as i actually should talk about the the japanese cast um for one thing in particular um mostly because i said it said the wrong person in the last episode so the the lead voice actor for this uh film is actually hideki ano uh who is the creator of neon genesis evangelion and uh part of it's actually a really fun scene in uh from kingdom of dreams and madness uh because they're talking about how hard it is to cast that that voice and uh they were talking about how, and this is a direct quote, like uh, intellectuals back then uh, had very good diction, but kind of higher voices. Uh, like he's like, they said, uh, frankly, he, he's just terse. Um, he's so smart or that he, he spares his breath um, and not, not because he's shy, but basically because he like almost doesn't want to explain himself to you know other people and it's like kind of keeps that to himself but not in a mean-spirited way just like uh you know okay i'm like i don't think i can actually explain this to you how it's working in my head so i will just be quiet about it um and so, so one of them uh uh one of the other producers in the room suggested hidekiano because they were thinking it's like well the actors that that would are coming in are all trying to act like they're trying to act like that instead of just being that way. And so they're like, Oh, I think we need like a non-actor, but someone who would kind of understand our process. And then somebody, one of the producers says, Oh, what about, uh, what about Ano son? And it's like, Oh, Ano. And you see like this glow come about, on like Miyazaki's face as he's like thinking it over of like, I really like that idea. Like he is like the exact type of person that, that like I, I, we need for this. And it's like, yeah, let's bring him in. Let's see if he wants to do it. Um, and then he says, uh, uh, this is when Miyazaki and Ano are talking and he's like, I, I like how enigmatic your voice sounds. And even Ano is like answers back of just like is that a compliment? <laughs> like I don't know. Like he's like no 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 it, it's it's good it's it's perfect for this like you know if you slur your words a little bit at points like like that's not a big deal like we have that's why we have multiple takes like I think you're you're perfect for this. Um, so, so that was really funny, and I think you get a lot of those similar type of qualities in the English casting with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. Because he is a little enigmatic. He, he always, he always has felt like he is a man from a different time period, you know, since he, since his adult, like, acting career. 
like as a child, you know, it's a child actor. Like it's hard to really gauge a lot of their personalities. But like after 10 Things I Hate About You, everything he's done is like, ah, that's an interesting choice. Okay. I, I, I would say that I did have to look up the lead voice actor. Uh, I didn't know it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt because I honestly, when I first heard it, I was like, is this Johnny Young Bosch? And I was like, there's no way they cast Johnny Young Bosch uh, in in a actual like Disney and uh, anime like where they normally get big names for it. But it was just one of those things where I was like, he sounds a lot. Less. And I didn't realize how much Joseph Gordon-Levitt, at least in this role, sounds like Johnny Young Bosch. And in, in a few, uh, if you don't know who Johnny Young Bosch is, he is a uh, he was uh, the Black Ranger on the Power Rangers. He re- he was the one that replaced Zack. Uh, um in the original series. Yeah, uh, and then, Adam. Uh, Adam, right? Yep, he was Adam. Yeah. Uh, and he is a very uh, prolific um, anime voiceover actor. He's done gr- big roles like uh, Ichigo from Bleach uh, and Vash the Stampede from Trigun. So he's done a lot of voice acting. Um, yeah, it fe- yeah, it feels like he is in, like, it feels like nearly everything. Like... You know, it's if, it's, if you look him up here, there's there's I, I want to say over 400 <laughs> things yeah. that he's attached to because there's even move there's there's shows that he'll he'll do like a character for like an episode or something too. So he's he, they bring him in a lot. Yep. Um. But yeah, I I really I really enjoyed the voice cast. Uh, I did I did end up watching a little bit of the Japanese uh, version, but. It, because it's it's a different language, it's hard to really tell the nuance in the in performances, you know, um, because it's not a language that I speak regularly. So you know, some of the like, I'm just like, yeah, no, you're doing a good job. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and and inflections are different in the way that yep. we speak and the way that uh, that people that speak Japanese speak. Um, so it's it's it's. Sometimes I mean it's it's really cool, and sometimes there are there are things that are portrayed better in the original language, but there's some things that we completely miss just not being able to speak it and, and knowing yep. the the way that the way that they actually say things. Yeah, um, but this was uh, you know from from a production side, like uh, so so we've talked about before that that Miyazaki does all of his own storyboarding and he does that instead of a script. So they he he had an idea how the film was going to end but he didn't get to the end until he got to the end, you know, cuz he was storyboarding basically in sequence. Um so uh and that uh even Suzuki uh, the producer is kind of, uh, you know, can you can tell he's a little, like, not completely infuriated by that, but you can tell it's like, okay, come on, where are we going with this? Um, and even Miyazaki said, it's like, uh, I have the staff say uh, they don't know what's going on in my films. And then he admitted, it's like, in Spirited Away, even I didn't know. not totally surprised by a lot of that. Nope, neither am I. Uh, and and honestly, like it, it's it's a thing that we we always kind of come back to. Of like, it feels like the beginning of most Miyazaki films. 
you get to kind of a more elongated scenes, uh, you know, and, and the pace quickens as the film goes on. And I feel like that's because of how he does the production of like, okay, I have this much that I still need to wrap up. All right. So this scene needs to be shorter. This, you know, whereas at the beginning he very much takes his time and sets the tone, um, which like there's, there's benefits there's pros and cons to both of those, you know, styles. Yeah. When, when you, when you're take your time to set the tone, you run the risk of not getting to the meat of the story quick enough. And I was, I, this movie, I was never worried about that in previous no. Miyazaki movies. I, I've have been worried about that at points of being like, okay, where's, but, but what's the, what's, the, what's the story here? Like this one, they, that's obviously, you know, they're, they're following the life of this, of this man, uh, uh of Jiro. So, so like at no point were you, were you worried about the meat of it? Like you were just like, oh, it's, it's, this is, this is his, this is what he's doing. This is how he's getting to where he's going. Uh, there's been, there's been previous movies, uh, where it's it's like they're they keep building the setup and building the world and you're like what's the what's the 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 thing that you're worried about what's the what's the climax what's the apex like where are we going here and it's takes longer to get there and that's just and i think that has to do with the the way that he does his movies um mind you i can't really think of one of one miyazaki movie that i particularly like really don't enjoy um, so that's not, you know, me saying that as a critique isn't, isn't saying that he does a bad job with those ones, uh, no. too, but it can sometimes take some time to get there. I'll like this statement took some time to get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, and even in the, the films that, you know, take a little longer to set up, you do have all of those very good character moments, you know, like, like we don't know exactly at the, at the beginning, like at the 30 minute mark. You know, we don't have we don't have, you know, a ton of of knowledge of the overall plot in a, in a lot of cases, like, you know, Howl's Moving Castle, um, you know, yes. and and Spirited Away. You know, we're just starting to get into, you know, it's 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 very much the rising action p- portion um, you know, you know, in a three act structure, you know, it's the rising action and, you know, prologue, rising action, climax, you know, resolution. Um, it just, it feels like in most of his movies, the climax resolution are very quick, like at the, at the end, um, like you don't get a lot of resolution, like you get a resolution, but not a prolonged resolution. But you'll get a longer prologue setting up the world. I would say that Kiki's Delivery Service, which is one of my favorites, is a good example of that, of, of set up, set up, set up, set up. And yep. then Climax re- Resolution is all in like the final 20 minutes of the movie. Yep. Like, yep. Um, and it's still a wonderful movie, uh, but it, it just has to do with the way that, that he, he, I think he falls in love with building the world. Yeah. Yeah, where, whereas like then then you have the opposite of... Uh, you know, Princess Mononoke, you are shoved right into the main plot of like, hey, there's this creature. We don't know what it is yet, but there is this creature taking over stuff in the woods. Go. 
here's our thing. We are clearly going to have to defeat that creature and figure out what it is. And then once we do, cool, happy ending. All right, awesome. So there, uh, to, to get back a little bit to the animation, uh, there's something that I really enjoy about this movie for it's the time they spend on some certain little details. Like yes. I really enjoyed whenever they showed close-ups of him writing in his, in his notebook, whether it was drawing or like writing words. Cause the, the, the way that the hands moved in the animation was like, was I, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to watch a real person write, but this was very realistic, but also it, it, it moved so smoothly and seamlessly that it was, it was, entrancing a little bit i I don't know i don't know the right way to put it no no Um, i get like like his his and you you know it's because like this is obviously a a subject that he loves um and it's like the those little details yeah of the hands drawing of you know moving the slide ruler you know stuff like that but then also in the design of the planes themselves, like it's, it's a, it's a fitting thing of like, Oh, now we can actually press into the metal so that the bolts and screws and stuff are now flush. So they're not causing wind resistance. So we can, you know, and because of that, we'll be able to get an extra point, blah, 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 knots in it. And it's like, Oh, that's cool like and and you're realizing it's like yeah this was the innovation that was happening at the time yep and and like the the little excitements of of later uh pretty late in the movie when he's uh when he's uh talking with uh um oh boy i am doing so bad on names in this this movie (laughs) today um uh he was talking to uh uh Satomi, um, yeah. There we go. Uh, and they were holding hands, and he was drawing, and he and he was so excited. He's just like, uh, and you could hear it. It was, it was a very calm voice, but he goes, "I was able to lose an ounce in every joint, and that could that could lower the weight of the plane by a pound." And it was just like, it was very subdued the way that it was said. So this is uh, not, really nice. The voice acting kind of goes back to yeah. the way that you were talking about that they wanted this person to speak. Uh, very subdued, but you could tell the excitement actually was there behind like this minute detail of removing an ounce of weight uh, in joints was such a big deal for him, uh, and he was yeah. excited to know it, uh, even if it wasn't really showing uh, loudly in his voice. It was, it was, it was cool. It was very well done. Yeah. Um, all of the, I mean, it was, it was, I was thinking to myself when they said we're going to go to germany and the time frame that they're in germany i'm just like are they going to bring up that these are nazis like is that even, are they ever going to mention it and then you know it was about half an hour after the the germany or maybe not not that quite that long but 15 minutes or so after the germany scene when the Herzog mentions nazis and i'm yeah. like okay at least they didn't just sweep it under the rug yeah. that these are nazis <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like you didn't have you know any swastikas or anything like that um at least prominently displayed um which which is a good thing but it's also a very creative choice um, yeah well they, i mean at the they time be... they were there i don't know if it was the nazi power uh party in power because if i'm getting my time frames right in the movie which i was trying to figure out everything 
like they would have been there like 1938-ish or 1936-ish. So they... I don't remember when when the Nazis completely took over. 1933 is when they were founded. So they they were the controlling party in 1933. Okay, so yeah, they would have been yeah, in power. Yeah, they, they would have been in power because they, um, in, uh, even in listening to and uh, watching Downton Abbey, which takes place in the mid-20s, um, there's already a little bit of a rise of the of the party um, in Germany. That they which are, would make sense. Yep. Um, being being as you know, 1933, they take they they they're voted into power to control the country. It would make sense that they were rising at that. Yeah, point. they were rising. Yep. Um, but yeah, so so like I. I didn't feel as invested in like the love story. Um, but literally my favorite scene in this entire film is the sequence where he's like tossing up the paper airplanes and the little model planes to her while she's sick. Like, I just thought that was so beautifully done and beautifully animated. Um, and it's just trying to cheer up, you know, this person that you love um, while you can't be with them, but you're just trying to do, you know, little things here and there. And it's like, oh, that's cute. Oh, for sure. And and I mean, obviously it was, you know, oh, I saved I, I helped her sister when she was younger and now now she's fallen for me and we've met years and years later, which is like, like uh, okay, whatever for that. But um, other than that, it was it it to me the love story was nice because it it didn't feel like it was shoehorned in. In my opinion, it felt like it was kind of a natural progression of someone. Uh, like it didn't to me, it didn't have to be the 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 girl he met on the train when he was eighteen. It it could have totally been uh yeah any person uh and been a similar just had this kind of love story um uh just because they they set up so much in the movie of him being this type of person of being the kind of person that that you know it's it's he's going to fall in love uh, or whether it's with planes or with uh ideas or or a person uh and he's going to stick with it and be be loyal and and fight for it um uh so it didn't have to you know that to me it it felt natural for this love story to be in this movie and then it was just so uh the way that the way that it ends of her leaving before she gets too sick was the thing that was just like oh no 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 how dare you like like i just yeah I, i i really i thought the love story was a good um A good emphasis on the story, but not something that overrode the whole story that was being told, which was nice. Yeah. Well, and uh, oddly enough, uh, and they talk about this uh, pretty extensively in the in the documentary, uh, the last line uh, was actually changed uh, from when he initially storyboarded it. Uh, she initially said, I want you to come with me. Um, instead of I want you to live 
um, well, in in her, and, in her dream. Um, and I thought, honestly, uh, when I when I read that, because I I did read that on the IMDb page, um, that it was that it was come along yeah, was the translation along, yeah. of what yeah compared to live on, and um, to me the come along made more sense because I envisioned the this dream to be much later. Especially since he said she's been waiting for you for a long time. Like, to me, this was the end of his life and this was him, you know, dying. Yeah. Is what I thought that final dream was. Because he talked about the planes that never came back that he built. And, you know, his legacy and everything. And, and how was your 10 years? Uh, which, uh, the, the uh, oh, an artist is only good for 10 years. I'm like, oh, that's not true. Um, but, <laughs> um, uh, the the uh uh i i thought that when i read that i thought come along made more sense to me okay uh at in that in that moment um and i think that that would have hit me better than than live on because when i heard her say live on i was just like oh that's kind of a weird thing yeah well yeah i i think i think like in your interpretation of it like him as an older man um would make sense but i think they they wanted to more set it in his present and so it was you know basically a you know i want you to go on without me and do you know wonderful things you know so it was supposed to be a a more positive uh you know send off for the film mm -hmm. which which i get which which i do get it just it seemed contradictory to the things that were being said by uh oh the Italian air guy that was voiced by Stanley Tucci um Coriana because it made, or something yeah uh because to me it seemed like he was saying like oh that's it you can you can go and be with her now yeah so so that that was the only part where where I thought that was weird and that was really like I was like at the point of like I had already cried a little bit and I was just like, oh, no, they're going to do something here. That's going to make me cry more. And when she said that way, I was just like, oh, that didn't that. No, that didn't make me cry more. That was I was a little not necessarily taken out of it, but but um, it, it, it probably had to do with the fact that we were about to do this podcast, too, that I was thinking about the wording and, and what was being said in a. uh in a, I guess, critique way, yeah, uh, a little bit more so, because it's it's not necessarily a it's not a bad final line, but it's it's just it just felt weird. Yeah, and uh, it, it's uh, Caproni is the the um, Roni, the there we go. guy. Yep. Um, Caproni. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it literally, like he, uh, uh, yeah, he did he did actually design that nine winged thing that we see in the dream um and it was yeah it was actually an active uh th thing for uh, an active plane for a little bit so so actually overall yeah uh, this was actually a quote from miyazaki uh and he said it's like you know the people that design airplanes and machines uh no matter how much they believe that what they do is good uh, the winds of change eventually turn them into tools of industrial civilization. And that was kind of like what he was kind of 
talking about throughout the film of like, you know, Jiro didn't, you know, didn't want to actually be building these bombers and stuff. Like he just wanted to build a plane and what these planes would be used for, you know, he might not have actually been as okay with. Yeah. And, and the, uh, I forget what the, the, the line of, um, do you want to live in a world with pyramids or without, I think was kind of pushed on that of, of saying, uh, of saying like, yes, this will be used for war, but you know, it's, it's, you want to, you, you want to do this though, right? You want to make this thing that lasts. Um, and that was, that was, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, apparently the film got, you know, kind of a little bit of criticism for being so anti-war. Um, but, but then also it said it got criticism for being too right wing. Um, and it's like, okay. Oh, weird. Um, I saw that it got criticism for smoking too much. I mean, there was that, of course. Like, I also thought that was kind of weird too, though. Yeah. Too right wing. I'm. I don't know what. Oh, the Japanese is the is uh, the the Japanese right wing is the Liberal Democratic Party. Um. Okay, so that actually makes sense. Oh, okay. It's opposite for what we in the West think is right wing. Um. Which. <laughs> You know, in that case, okay, I can see it now. Of like, you know, you're being too liberal. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can see that now. But yeah, but I mean, uh, I don't know. Are we are we at the final thoughts section here? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we're in we're in, we're in final thoughts and just discussion. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say final thoughts on this movie is that, um, Miyazaki put together a lot of things that that he loves um that and that is uh and, and a lot of things from his past that because he grew up in a war-torn japan yeah um and he's obviously been obsessed with uh with aeronautics and flying and everything um and and he mixed it all together in this beautiful uh, uh story of of essentially a real person uh of real people um and and did it in a in a pretty pretty uh stunning way so i i would i would give i would say this movie is is not not at the top top of my list um for for uh for ghibli and miyazaki movies but um but it, it it's a it's a it's a wonderful film that that is that is definitely worth a watch yep i would agree with that and yeah yeah you've got to realize like the when Miyazaki was born, um, he was basically born during or just right before the war. So his some of his first memories are of wartime and of like bombings, because um, he actually tells a story in the in the Kingdom of Dreams of Madness about uh, a family that was actually staying with them for a couple nights because their house burned down in the bombings and like his father like gave them like chocolate and stuff like that. Cause th this is also one of the things like his father, uh, Miyazaki's father designed and manufactured airplane parts 
Like this is part of, you know, why he's always had this obsession with flight is because, you know, he, his father was, you know, in the aeronautics industry, like building parts and stuff for, for these planes. Um, so he, he said he put a lot of his father into, well, he never said that he put a lot of his father, but, uh, Suzuki, who is the much more open book of the two, uh, definitely is like, oh yeah, no, this is definitely Miyazaki is putting a lot of his father into, you know, the, the role, like the, the portrayal of Jiro, um, in the, in this film. Um, yeah, Suzuki is, is, is much more of an open book, but also he's, he's the one who's doing a lot more of the press conferences and stuff like that. Um, in the lead up to the film's release um, as the producer. So he has to talk a lot more, a little more openly about things, Um, including, (laughs) including uh, it transitioning uh, because like I said, this is taking place at the same time as the production of princess Kaguya. And, they talk a lot about Iso Takahata in Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, and some of it is is very glowing, and then some of it is, you know, they they are clearly a little fed up with him. Um, but because yeah, Miyazaki even says about Takahata, in a sense, uh, in a sense, we are rivals. It's a friendly competition. Um, so I believe releasing the films at the same time will make uh, the films stronger is what Suzuki said about their dynamic of like the fact that it's always been this friendly competition like Miyazaki learned a lot from Takahata but you know some of Takahata's projects you know Heidi and Anna Green Gables and that stuff might not have been as good if he wasn't overseeing talent like Miyazaki, mm-hmm. you know, so it was, it's that kind of double-edged sword there. Um, and so, but yeah, overall I, I really enjoyed spirit or I really enjoyed wind rises. I almost was going to say spirited away. Cause I looked right up in my notes and it said in spirited away. Like that's not the movie we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed wind rises and, like like you said, I don't I don't think it's it's the best one, but it but it also feels I think especially knowing um that his father, you know, was in the aeronautics industry and stuff, it feel it feels more personal. Like it yes. feels more personal and this is a weird thing to say, no no pun intended. It feels more grounded. Even though, like, we have these fantastical dreams and stuff, but even those dreams, like, we don't get the Studio Ghibli, you know, heavy glow effect, sparse background type dreams um, that we got, you know, in the in the last film. Um, we get more realistic much more like whisper of the heart and cat returns style dreams where 
everything is very fantastical and a little over animated, but it's still based in the reality that we had for the rest of the film. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not like it, it's not a whole new world. It's just a different place is how it feels. Um, and I also think that there was, I mean, obviously, uh, Miyazaki comes out and ends up doing another movie or will be doing another movie. Um, but, but at the time, the, the idea that Ghibli started with, um, with a, a dual movie um, between the two of, of, you know, two movies back to back. Yep. And that would kind of end it. Those two ended their careers with the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, but then, you know, uh, Miyazaki had to Ric Flair it and go to TNA. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, it, it, the, the mirroring of this uh, to uh, neighbor Totoro and, and um, Grave, Grave of the Fireflies. Fireflies. Um, is it's just it's it's easy to do and and the interesting thing to me is that I I haven't watched Kaguya yet so I'll be able to talk more about this one but just from looking at the animation style it looks like that they kind of uh, changed roles yeah. um, that that Miyazaki ended with the Grave of the Fireflies esque movie and and uh, and Takahata ended with the with the Totoro esque movie so uh, we'll be able to talk about that more next time though. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then we'll have, yeah, so we've got, we, as we said, we're, we're nearing the end. So yeah, we've only got a few, a few episodes left of, of Tales of Princess Kaguya when Marnie was there. And then our final, uh, episode talking about kind of how we would rank all these films. Um, so yeah, we're, we're in the home stretch. Um, and then we'll we'll come back obviously when when the film when Miyazaki's next film is actually released, you know. Yep. Um, obviously, because like we're we're gonna go watch it no matter what at this point. Yes. Like, um, how do you live? Is the is the title of his next film, and it is I believe it's twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's like there's not been a release date as of yet, uh, but they they are in production though, so that's a good thing. Um, it's just slow. It's just slower going uh, because Japan has been incredibly cautious with with COVID and everything. It's no problem with that. Yep, yep. I am all for that. Um, but yeah, Shane, uh, plug all your other stuff. Don't really have much of it, so uh, <laughs> listen to um, Miyazaki and me. Uh, I'm not really doing any other podcast currently. Uh, keep trying to start those up, but I'm terrible at editing and keeping with the schedule with every everybody but Guile. So really, it's just yeah. this one. Yeah, um, you can find my other stuff when I feel like doing it uh, <laughs> on uh, Knocked Out Films. Uh, I actually, I am actually in, in the process of, of getting, uh, back on a more regular schedule after, you know, a lot of production delays and stuff, but, um, yeah, no, I've actually got a lot of like vlogs and stuff coming out and a ton of photography, you know, photos and everything you can always find on my Instagram. So, uh, thanks for listening. Be good to each other.